Welcome to the Campus Rush Podcast. We believe that God will speak through this word and meet you right at the point of your need. We hope that God will bless you through this message. I want to speak for a few minutes tonight on a topic I entitled, A Place Called There. A Place Called There. Say it after me. Say, A Place Called There. The enemy's number one agenda assignment for your life is to make sure you don't get there. That's all. A lot of people, uh, they make this church thing so difficult. And I'm not one of those conventional Christians. I'm not, you know, I was talking to, uh, oh, who was I with? I was with uh, Craig. We were in the barbershop today. Where's Craig? Is he here? I see him. Yeah, he's over there. We were in the barbershop today. And, uh, you know, he, we were talking about a whole bunch of stuff. And then he was like, you know what? Um, you know, uh, I think there was a conversation that had happened when my father was in the barbershop. And he was saying, man, like, PK, if you were there, like, nobody wouldn't even care. Why? Because they know that, yeah, you're a pastor. But they know that, you know, you're a cool pastor. Like, you, you'll just blend in. And I said, listen, I, I believe that God has called me not just for the church, but God has called me for the unchurched. And God not just called me, but he's called all of us to be able to be stewards of the faith and go beyond the four walls. And so when I look at my life... I I ask God and I say, God, when you're taking me to a place called there, I realize that there will be trials, there will be tribulations, but the grace you've placed upon my life, the grace you've placed upon each and every one of your lives here is a grace in order to get over the hurdle of what prevents you from a place called there. Somebody say, I will arrive. You're going to arrive where God needs you to arrive and you're going to arrive there the time he needs you to arrive there. There's a such thing as a departure and there's such thing as an arrival. Many of us have departed, but we have not yet arrived. But I've come as a prophet tonight to decree and declare over your life that wherever you've departed from, you will also land. You won't just depart and be up there, but you will also land. Many people start well, but not a lot of people end well. But you will finish well. Your testimony, your story, oh, that amen was weak. I said, you will finish well. I came here to preach tonight. I said, you will finish well. I said, if God has started in your life, he will also complete and end in your life. If I can get 50 people to agree with me and shout a loud amen, then I'm going to begin to preach. I said that you will make it to a place called there. And you know what? It won't be because of power. It won't be because of might, but it'll be because of the spirit of God. You're going to make it to a place called there. I don't know who told you that you can never make it in life. Please be seated. I don't know who told you you won't make it. But there is a place called there. And if I be a prophet of God, if I be a man of God, you're going to make it to that place called there. And you won't just make it by yourself, but your best friends will be with you as you're getting there. Your homies will be with you as you're getting there. What good is success if you can't enjoy it? You will be there not alone, but you're going to be there with your friends. Your whole crew is making it there. You're all making it there. There is a place called there. And you shall make it. Somebody shout, yeah! Please be seated. There was a place called there. Some 12 years ago, I went to Wonderland. Anybody been to Wonderland? Uh, I'll never go there in my life. I've been there once, and I, that's the last time I've been there. The last time I will go there. I went there thinking I was a tough guy, you know. I think I was a cool guy, you know, you know, chilling, you know. I a little girly with me, you know what I'm saying? Just chilling, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We were just chilling, just scrolling, you know, just, it was a church trip, but you know, you know, within the church, you got, you know, you know how it goes. <laughs> you know how it goes. Okay. And so, you know, I was just chilling and, you know, you know, local girly said, you know, <sighs> I want to go on that ride. And I said, uh, I mean, if you want to go, we could go, you know what I mean? So, we <laughs> 
we ended up going on this ride. We lined up forward, lined up forward, lined up forward, got on this ride. You know, it's this ride that takes you up high and then drops you real fast. I don't know if you've been on that ride. What they call it, the drop zone, right? All right, all right, all right, demonic thing. So, so, you know, so I'm a little girl, you know, she's beside me. The ride starts going up, going up, going up, going up, going up, gets to the top, and I'm there having a conversation. I'm like, wow, this is a beautiful view. I don't think I've, I don't think I've ever been this high before. Wow, I can see like all of Vaughn. I can see the CN Tower from here. This is crazy. In mid-conversation, oh, oh. Having flashbacks. <laughs> the ride drops you. I don't know if anybody's been on that ride before. The ride drops you, and the way it drops you, it makes you feel as though your heart is above your head. It's like your body is moving so slow, but yet so fast at the same time. And my body is dropping, and I'm just like, oh. Everything is slow mo. Now, unbeknownst to me, in that circumstance, the moment I landed, I, I, oh, I said, I, I vowed to myself I would never go on a roller coaster ride, and that was the last time I went on a roller coaster ride. And not that I'm scared or anything, but you know, <coughs> everybody knows their lane of grace. That's just not mine. So, anyways, so we, I got off the ride, and uh, you know, I'm thinking I'm a cool guy. I thought that had zero effect on me. Two years later, fast forward, I was on my way to Dallas, Texas with my family, and uh, we drove to Montreal, we caught a flight. We get into the flight. I'm thinking I'm a bad guy again. I'm thinking I'm a good guy. I'm thinking, you know what, I've flown before. You know, there's nothing wrong with this. I didn't realize that the moment the plane took off, there was a feeling that the same feeling you feel when that drop zone drop is the same feeling you feel when the plane is taking off. And all of a sudden, I just retract and I just began scared again. I was like, ah! I started getting scared. I said, my brother was with me. He's like, yo, what are you doing? Relax, bro. I'm like, yeah, bro, it's going too high. It's going too fast. It's, ah! I'm starting freaking out. And the plane is just going like, <laughs> <sighs> I'm scaring some people. I, 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 and, and the plane is going so fast, it's going so high. And I didn't realize that in that moment that, that, the, that the, 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 the ride had such an effect on me that even when I went in the plane, I, I was now became afraid of flying. And I now became afraid of heights because of one experience that was now a traumatic experience that led me to now associate everything that had to do with heights to that ride. And so I, I, after I came off of that flight, I'm thinking to myself, what is wrong with me? And I didn't realize that it was the devil's ploy on me because the devil knew in my future I have to fly. And some of you guys don't realize these things. And you may think, oh, it's just a cute story to connect. But you don't realize the amount of prayers I had to pray before. It's like, I'll fly any day, any time. But the thing is that unless you sit down and you break what confronts you, the enemy will use what you thought was a little thing to derail you from your destiny. And I didn't realize that this small thing of flying became such a thing to derail me. That anytime somebody invited me, I'd be like, I don't want to go to that trip. Why? It's too far. The flight is too long. But I didn't realize that it doesn't matter about how you get there. There was a place called there and that place needs you now it doesn't matter if you have fears or not the place called there doesn't care about your fears the place called there is waiting for you to arrive and you must arrive somebody say I must arrive in fact shout it scrap that say I will arrive 
you're gonna arrive where you need to arrive. Now, there's one thing I loved about flying. There's one thing that now that I fly, I love to fly. As a matter of fact, the longer the flight, I love it. I get to sleep, I get to ride, I get, it's beautiful. And, and there's, there's a few things about flying. And when you realize it, uh, flying has a lot to do with our walks with God. If you begin to just compare them, there's a lot to do with flying that is very comparable to our walks as believers, as Christians. Let me break it down to you. There's about five phases of flying. The first one is what you call pre-flight. Someone shout pre-flight. Now, pre-flight is the time where you begin to realize and map out how you're going to get to where you need to get to. And it's the place where you begin to now write down your plans, write down your notes. You begin to say, this is where I want to get to. I know there's a place called there that needs me to get there. And so I'm going to write down my plans. I'm going to put the things down. It's the planning stage. It's the planning stage of your life and of your destiny. In that pre-flight era as well, in that time, what you do is you also decide the vehicle. How are you going to get to where you need to get to? Some of us want to get to a place, but we don't know how we're getting there. Many of us have plans and aspirations. I want to be this. I want to do that. But you don't know how you're going to get there. You don't know what vehicle you're going to take to get there. What plan are you going to take to get there? What degree do you need to have to get there? Nobody tells you these things. It's like after high school, they drop you and expect you to know what you have to do in life. And after uni, they drop you and expect you to say, hey, all right, cool, it's life now. So just adults. But nobody tells you what you're supposed to do in order to get to a place called there. All of us have aspirations. Am I lying? Am I telling the truth? All of us have aspirations. All of us have plans. All of us have things that we want to do in life. All of us have places we want to get to in life. But nobody knows unless you ask the Father the plans that he has for you in order to get you to where you need to get to. Somebody say, I will arrive. After you figure out the pre-flight, there's this process called taxiing. Now, it's one of my favorites. It's taxiing because I love, you know, driving around the tarmac. And it's the place where you are getting ready. You know, many times as, as preachers, we always preach this thing. And, you know, I'm guilty of it. God is getting ready to. God is getting ready to. That can be directly related to your taxiing stage, your taxiing phase, where the, the things that you need for flight are now being put upon the cargo. It's the time whereby you are now uh, about to fly, but you have to get to the place before you can fly. Uh, it's the place in the waiting stage before the takeoff. Now, many of you find yourself in that place right now tonight, where you're in a place where you haven't yet taken off there yet but you're in a place where you're being prepared to take off is anybody like this in this place maybe you wouldn't realize it but it's the place whereby you may be in school before you're starting your career you haven't yet taken off on your flight yet but you're in the place of taxiing now the third stage after this is of course when you take off uh, someone shall take off uh, it's the place where you're climbing. It's the type where you're climbing the, 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 you know, the air and you're getting to the place where you need to be. Uh, and the beautiful thing about takeoff that I love so much is that when it comes to takeoff, that you actually need opposing winds for the plane to take off. Now, many of us are scared of opposing winds because we feel as though if we meet some trials, if we meet some tribulations, that's the end of the flight. But no, the, the pilots actually have to turn their plane to be able to face the direction by which the wind is blowing so that the plane can take off. So it bears in note that unless you have opposing winds, your plane cannot take off. You need some paninas in your corner. Uh-oh. You need, you need some people who talk down against your destiny. You need some people who don't like you in your corner. You need some people who, who don't like when you're manifesting your gift to be around you. You need all of those people because if you do not have the opposing winds, your plane will never take off. Some of us are saying, why can't I go to my next level of destiny? It's because everybody that's around you likes you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> 
You have no mentor that's telling you, yeah, I know you want to do that, but you, you got to calm down. Take it step by step. Take it road by road. Take it line by line, precept upon precept. You have nobody who's cooling you down. And this bears in note when people are going to relationships, we always want to find the person that's just like us. I want to find somebody that's just like me. You need someone who's not like you so that when you have all these plans and aspirations and you want to do all those things, they can tell you, I know and I believe in your plans, but hey, economics wise, <laughs> the money might not work out for that vision. I know you want to be, you know, save the world and go all over Africa and stuff. It's great. <laughs> Sick. But... <laughs> But why don't we just start off by saving our community first? Why don't we just start off by saving our city first? You see, that, that's the balance that's needed. That's the balance that's needed. So you need the opposing winds. Don't be afraid of criticism. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of people talking down against your, your... I remember when we were starting Campus Russian, it, you know, at first, many of you don't know, but you'll get to know if you're new here when we start our hub programs, which are starting next week. Uh, just a little clap for our hubs. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> that when we started Campus Russian, the first name for it was what? It was TL at C, which was, you know, the pioneers remember this one. Transforming Life at Carlton. Old, old name, old name. Four years ago, TL at C. Uh, yeah, anyways, long name ago. And I remember when I first started this, you know, um, I was so passionate. I was so in love with the name. I came up with it. It was like my baby. I loved it. One day I was at my dinner table. My cousin was there. My dad was there. And then they just started ripping at the vision. <laughs> no, like I spent so long trying to write this thing down. I spent so long, pages upon pages, lines upon lines, and they're just like, yeah, it's good, but you should probably do this. Why don't you call it this? Well, I'm like, I already have a name. Well, I should change the name. They're like, no, but you have to think global. And then it hit me. I said, if I say it's transforming life at Carleton, we can never leave the school. Some of us make plans that are only local, but they would be global if you had a panina. Some of us, oh, you can clap if you want to clap. Some of us would have global impact if we had critics in our corner. I'm not talking about the critics that want to see you fall. I'm talking about the ones that have constructive criticism. They love you so much to tell you the truth. Not that they love you, they hate you, and they love you, and they hate you, and they're flaky. No, 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 no new friends. No, you don't need those ones. The ones you need are the ones who love you enough to tell you the truth. Enough to tell you the truth. And so they sat me down. They're like, yo, Kof, you need to, because this thing is going global. Like, you know, my cousin David, he's like, yo, Kof, this thing is going global. Shout out to Dave. He's been supporting us. He's financed so much stuff for us. I love him so much. You know, and he's like, Kof, this thing is going to go global. So you need to make sure this is set up. And you got to, I think you should call it some rush. Some, I said, okay, we're going to call it Campus Rush. He's like, yeah, call that, call that, and let it be the name. And from there, then you branch off and have different things you're doing. And then they begin to open up the vision. Some of us have visions, but our visions can only become operational when you put it in the hands of of somebody who truly loves you enough to tell you that it may not work if it's like that so it takes you humbling yourself to be able to realize that your plan is good but it may not be good enough so that you can now come into contact are you still with me Number four, after the takeoff phase, you have the cruising altitude. And the cruising altitude is when, you know, you're flying and they begin to tell you you're at 45, you know, thousand, uh, you know, what is it? Altitude, you're, you're flying at an altitude of 45,000, whatever it is. What is it? 
above sea level, there it is, above sea level, and you're flying and so on and so forth, and you have to stay at that level to cruise at that level. And that's where it comes into being to know this very thing I'm about to tell you, that you must know your level, you must know your stage, you must know your place, and man, you must know your grace. You must. You must. Somebody's saying, what do you mean by that? What I'm saying is this, God has given you gifts, the gifts you have have room in order to grow, all right? But many of us start someplace and then God expands our territory. But this is what I mean by don't go out of your level. I mean, don't over expand yourself beyond the parameters of what God has given you room to grow within. Are you still with me? If God has given you room here to grow here, don't go more than what he's given you because you only have grace for that lane. In other words, stay in your lane. Someone shout it. Say, stay in my lane. Say, I'm going to stay in my lane. After that number five, you have, of course, the landing and the descending state of that. And that's how you land. And once again, I prophesy to you that you will finish well. You will land well. Those of you started first year, man, fourth year comes really quickly. You will end well. Those of you in your master's, come on, it ends so quick. You will end well. Those of you in your PhD, come on, it ends well. It ends well and it ends quick. Those of you who are starting off in the government, those who are starting off in jobs, trust me, it's only for a few years before you go out and start your own business. In fact, you don't have to wait. You can start right now. I released entrepreneurial grace in the house tonight. Grace to start start your business, grace to be bold, grace to go out and do what God has called you to do. The greatest thing about all of these five phases is that people don't man, you know, people don't mind takeoff, they don't mind the taxiing, they don't mind cruising, they don't mind landing, but there's one thing that I even researched that many flyers are afraid of and that's what? Turbulence. Turbulence. Turbulence is the very thing that people are afraid of. Well, what is turbulence? Turbulence, I've defined it in three things. Turbulence, and I'm going to give you a scripture, then we'll go. Uh, turbulence is defined in three things. I define turbulence as the interruptions on your way to a place called there. The interruptions on your way to a place called there. Can you say that for me so you get it? Say, the interruptions, the interruptions. on your way to a place called there. All right. Number two definition is, is of course, it's from the dictionary that turbulence is unsteady movement of wind or water. And the third definition, what I love so much, is also bumps on the way to destiny. Bumps on the way to destiny. Help me talk to your neighbors and neighbor. You're going to make it. It may be bumpy, but you will arrive. <laughs> Come on, give God praise right there. You will arrive. You will arrive. I decree you will arrive. You're going to get there. You're going to get there. A man who had many bumps in his life. We, we, we all know it by the man. His name is David. I mean, the guy had so many bumps in his life. At the end of his life, I felt sorry for the guy reading his story. The guy had so many bumps in his life, starting off from being an outcast when he was young. He was born out of wedlock. It's, it's perceived that he was born out of wedlock. Uh, and that's the first thing that happens to him. Second thing that happens to him, of course, he commits adultery. He sleeps with another man's woman. So many bumps in his life. The third bump in his life, he kills an innocent man. He's a murderer. He has blood on his hands. All these things happen. And then I, 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 I now have found another place in the scripture that he had another bump. And you can find it in 2 Samuel 15. Uh, 2 Samuel 15. Let's open up to that. And then we'll go. This bump that we find in the life of David We'll read the scripture and, and go. This bump that we find in the life of David is a bump where uh, his son Absalom uh, is now wanting to come after him. 
He wants to dethrone him. He wants to take him off the throne, and he wants to now be the king. And so now he has this bump in his life. He has this interruption on this place called there because he thought that he would finish his life with all his children being around him, and he would die peacefully. But now he's now repeating history because once Saul was chasing him, now his son wants to kill him. So he's finding himself in this depressive, this hurt place, this place of brokenness. And we pick this up in the scripture. We'll just read uh, 2 Samuel 15. Um, We'll read it from verses 10, and then that'll be it. So verses 10, it says, But while he was there, he sent secret messengers to all the tribes. Talking about his son, Absalom. It says, But while he was there, he sent secret messengers to all the tribes of Israel to stir up a rebellion against the king. As soon as you hear the ram's horn, his message read, You are to stay. Absalom has been crowned king of Hebron. So unbeknownst to David, his son is now going, is now creating a revolt, and he's now creating a rebellion and, and a revolution against him to knock him off the throne. And it's been told that during this time of great anguish, during this time where his life is, is he feels as though, man, how can my own flesh and blood betray me how could my own son betray me my guy my my boy the man who I probably would have given the throne to the man that I was why would you betray me in this moment of turbulence in the life of David on his way to a place called there the Bible depicts and history would note that he begins to write a psalm unto God and so if you're here in this place this is an encouragement time for you to realize that even though you may have turbulent moments in your life it doesn't mean you will not arrive at a place called there Psalm 23 says it beautifully and this is our psalm for today we're going to read it all together and then we'll wrap up this service psalm 23 verses 1 get it up there if you can for me let's read it all together one two three and go the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. verses 2 yeah so let's stop right there. We'll go further on. But put me in verses 1. So the first thing to note, if you're taking notes, the first thing that you want to uh, put down over here is that on a place called there, when you meet interruptions, when you meet turbulent moments, when you meet times where you feel you want to give up, note the first thing that David wrote. This is a psalm that he wrote while his son was trying to come and kill him. So his son is trying to kill him, and he goes on his, and he starts writing this song, this psalm. He's writing songs when his son is trying to kill him. And the first thing he's writing is this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, or I have all that I need. So all he's saying is the Lord is my shepherd. So the first thing you need to notice is this one thing, that David knew who his father was. The Lord is my shepherd. Even though I'm in turbulent moments right now, even though my life is in shambles, even though I feel like I won't make it, I have a father in heaven. Even though I may, may be starting off rough in this class right now, even though I'm starting off rough, even though I'm in a rough patch in my life right now, my God, my Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And you know what? It goes on to say this. I have everything that I need. What does that mean? That means you have it waiting to manifest it. You have everything that you already need. You have it already on the inside of you. Somebody shout, I have it already. No, you're shouting like 50%. Say, I have it already. You already have what you need. Just get up, put the things together, and manifest it. You have everything that you need. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Listen, I have all that I need. Go on to verses two. It says this. He lets me rest in green meadows, basically saying I have space. I have a place where I need to rest. When it comes to sheep, sheep need places to rest. They need, they need green meadows to eat from. He's saying that you will have more than enough. I prophesy you will have more than enough. I prophesy your pastures will be green. What does that mean? That means that you will have so much room to be able to rest. You will have a, some of you guys have been working too hard. You need some rest. 
I prophesy God will make a way for you to rest. I prophesy God will make a way for you to rest. You need a place where you can rest. The Bible says that he makes me lie down in green pastures, like the, the NKJV would say. He makes me lie down, meaning I have food to eat and I have a place to rest. Some of you guys need that, and by the God's grace, we release that. It then goes on to say, go back to, uh, then say, uh, there, there it is. It says, he leads me in the path of righteousness. Go back to verses two real quick. I'm not done with that. It says, he leads me beside still waters. When it comes to uh, a sheep, sheep cannot, they cannot drink from running water. They need still water. They need still water. So what is he saying? He's saying, you will refresh my soul with, with still water, meaning that you will give me exactly what I need. Some of you guys, you don't need God to just give you uh, just an idea of a man. You need God to give you specifics as to this is the man I want, and this is the man God is bringing. This is the woman I want. This is the woman God is bringing. This is the job I want. This is the job that God is bringing. Some of you don't need just an idea. You need specifics. And tonight, I prophesy God is giving you specifics. He's giving you the desires of your heart he won't give you an idea of what you want he's going to give you exactly what you need my god he's giving you what you need verses three we're going to read this and then we'll be we'll be through it says he restores my soul and it says he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake someone read that with me say he restores my soul one two three and go guys you can bring it out What does that mean? He means that you will not ever miss where you need to be. God will make sure you are always on the right path. Some of us came here thinking like, God, did I really choose the right school? Did I really choose the right program? Did I really choose the right job? God is saying, listen, I am leading you through the path of righteousness. I'm bringing you to the place where you need to be. And if I be a man of God, you will make it to the place called there tonight. In Jesus' name. Let's move on to the next verse. It says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Read it with me. One, two, three, go. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, yeah. I will fear no evil. Yeah. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, yeah. Even though I walk through the valley, I have places where I think I'm going to die. I have times where I think, man, I will never make it through. There's times where I think I will give up. He says, even though you are in those moments where you feel as though you will give up, I am making a way because you will not fear anything. There will be no fear in you. I prophesy and I rebuke the spirit of fear in your life. You will make it to where you need to get to and fear will not hinder you from getting there. And it says, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Rod is used to whip you back into shape where you need to be whipped. It's for discipline. And then the staff is led for for guiding it's a leadership it's led to bring you to make sure you don't go off track so God is saying that in even though I may bring you to times of hardship even though I may bring you to times where you feel I'm being hard on you it's so that you can be comforted in me so God is preparing you for a place called there and what he needs to prepare you is a rod and a staff what he needs to prepare you is discipline but yet still guidance are you still with me let's go to the next verse it says this, you prepare a table for me, before me, in the presence of my, come on, read that with me. Say, you prepare a what? Before me in the, so I had these guys prepare a table right there. I want you to throw it to me in the, in the message version if you have it. I had these guys prepare a table for me here, and, and, and I want to demonstrate this scripture because some of us don't realize the, 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 the blessings that are in this scripture tonight. 
It says, for you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. This verse says this, you serve me a six-course dinner. I think the church is here. I said, you serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. Then it said, oh my gosh. So I need some enemies up here. I know you're not enemies of me, but I need some people to just stand around me right now. Oh, nobody wants to come. (laughs) As I sit down, the Bible says, I know that Absalom, this is David writing. He's saying, I know Absalom is against me. I know that my son is trying to kill me. And this is like history is repeating itself because it's like Saul was trying to kill me so now my son is trying to kill me, so no new news. Like, I already know how to deal with this thing. So David, if you actually read that verse, I don't want to get into too much Bible tonight, but if you read that verse, David's like, all right, cool, if my son's trying to kill me, all right, I already know what to do because I've been through this, I've done this before. And as he's being sought after by his son, he writes this, he writes this song, this psalm, and he begins to say, God, I know that my son may be around me, the enemies may be around me, but in the presence of those who are trying to hurt me, those who are trying to backstab me, you're preparing before me a table. Oh my gosh. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, some of us, we don't know how to do this one thing, which is sit and eat. (laughs) Sit and eat. Let me break this down for you. The Bible says that he prepares for us a table in the presence of our enemy. So these guys already prepared the table. But the, the, the truth of the matter is in that scripture is that as your enemies are watching, God should be preparing a table. It didn't say yet that you are sitting and you are eating yet. It said that God is preparing a table. So some of you understand this, that even though you have people who hate you, you need them because God is preparing a table. So, oh my goodness, in the moment whereby they are hating you, the moment whereby they are sending you threats, in the moment whereby they're telling you you will not make it, God needs them to be in the story because there's no table without enemies. There is no enjoyment without, oh my goodness, who am I talking to? Unless there is enemies, there There are no tables. Some of us need to know this. We need to know that even as there are people who hate us, people who don't like us, all you need to do is sit down and let God prepare the table. Sit down and let God prepare the table. He says he shall prepare a table in the presence of my enemies. All you have to do is sit down, cross your legs, sit like you're in charge. And say, God, your word says that you shall prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. What does that mean? That means that the people who hate me have no choice but to watch me eat. They have no choice but to watch me succeed. The people who never thought I'd make anything in life have no choice but to watch me on live stream right now. I mean, the people who thought that I'd be nothing have no choice but to be creeping on my Instagram page. I mean, the people who thought I'd never make it will be the ones who are always checking on my Snapchat. The ones when every time I check who watched my Snapchat, they're the first people to watch my Snapchat because it's all a part of them creating because God is preparing a table in the presence of my enemies so unless you have people who don't want you to succeed you are not ready to sit at the table yet and you know the beautiful thing about this is that God told you to sit he didn't tell them to sit so they have to stand as you eat they can stand I'm gonna sit they can do whatever they want to do but I'm going to sit and I'm going to eat and then the message version says this but you serve me a six course 
dinner. So what does that mean? That means that when I finish my appetizers and my... <laughs> when I finish, when I finish, when I finish succeeding in one degree, when I get an A in psychology, and then when I get an A plus in economics, and then when I become a medical doctor, you have to be able to watch me eat the first course. And the first course of my success may just be getting through my undergrad degree. The second course is my master's. The third course is my PhD. The fourth course is my next level of grace. My fifth course is my destiny. My sixth course is my church. Who am I preaching to tonight? You are going to make it to a place called there. For God is preparing a table in the presence of my enemy. Somebody shout, So in the presence, in the presence, in the presence. Here we go. We're, we're here. We're here. We even have candlelights. Oh my goodness. Not only am I enjoying dinner, but you also have to enjoy me eat in the dinner. You have to enjoy all the beautiful things that come. Look at this white beautiful thing. You guys have to enjoy this. You thought I'd never make it, but watch me. Watch me roll my sleeves. Your enemies will have no choice but to watch you prepare before you eat at the table. Some of you guys never thought you'd make it to the table. But God says the only reason why you have not made it to the table is because you have been trying to kill off the enemies. You need some of them to be around as you're enjoying at the feast at the table. You need some of them. You need the winds to be going against you before you can fly. You need the turbulence to remind you that, hey, unless I pray Jesus, we're not going to make it to. We have to make it unless you have enemies. You're not qualified for the table. Now, what is the course here? The course, you can go to the next verse. The Bible says, but surely bring me back in the NLT. Bring me back in the NLT. Bring me back or in the NKJV. Bring me back to the NKJV. It says, but goodness and mercy shall follow me. Read this, read this with me. One, two, three, and go. No, no, no. Read it like you're lucky, like you're real. Come on, one, two, three, go. What does that mean? That means that right after God has prepared a table in the presence of your enemies, the next thing that has to follow is two things, goodness and mercy. It means after you have eaten and you're full from your six-course meal, after you have to unbuckle your belt, after you have to have that Ganadad body, after you have to just sit down and chill and ask them, how was the meal? Did you enjoy me eating it? After you have to gloat a little bit, you then get up and the Bible says the two things that have to follow you are goodness and mercies. Now, how many of you know it's a beautiful thing when your enemies now become your biggest supporters? How many of you know there's a beautiful thing when the people who hate you now see you eating at the table and as you're leaving, they come to you and they say, wherever you're going, if it's a place called there, buy me a first class ticket to the place called there. And all of you guys now have to follow me. So when the Bible says goodness and mercies shall follow, the goodness is the fact that the people who hated you are now the people who are making way for you. You have one in front of, you have one behind. You have one to the side. And as you go, goodness and mercies follow you. Goodness and mercies follow you. Goodness and mercies follow you. I prophesy to 10 people here tonight. By the time you leave this place, 
Goodness and mercies are not only following you, but they're following your family. They're following your... I said goodness and mercies are following about 50 people in this place tonight. Mercies, you know what mercies are? Mercies are, even when you sin, God says, oh my goodness. Ah, there's a soft spot in me for you. Why? Because you were patient enough not to fight off the enemies when I was preparing the table. You were patient enough not to fight off the people who hate you at the table. So because you were patient enough, you had enough grace to sit down and eat as your enemies were watching. When you leave, the two things that must go with you are goodness and I didn't want to do it. But because I'm a good God, mercy also has to follow you. So it means even if you sin, even when you get down on yourself, even when you think you're not going to make it, there's something called mercy. Somebody shout mercy. Oh, shout it. Say mercy. There's something called mercy that has no choice but to follow you on your flight to a place called there. Now, if I have about 25 believers that are wanting to land in a place, jump up on your feet right now and begin to give God a shout. Upon this altar, I prophesy in this building tonight. The year is not going to end without you experiencing the goodness and the mercy of God. I said this year will not end. We will not get to December without you experiencing the goodness and mercies of Jesus. Goodness and mercy shall follow you from the moment you leave this place. All the days of your life, you shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. You shall dwell for one thing I have desired, for one thing that I seek to be in the house. Psalm 24 verses 7 for one thing that I have desired for one thing that I seek it is to dwell in your presence I'm telling somebody in this place that by the time you leave this place even your family members won't recognize the tone in your voice you didn't hear what I said I said your family members won't recognize the tone in your voice why not because you've been shouting all night alone but because the moment you leave this place this is like a experience that Hannah had when she went up this is the experience that some great men of God had like Moses this is the experience like Elijah had with God where by the time you leave this place your countenance is changing why because goodness and mercy are now following you all the days of your life I need you to take three steps and just say goodness and mercy goodness and mercy goodness and mercy goodness and mercy thank you for tuning in to the Campus Rush podcast if you enjoyed this message and want to partner with us visit us at www.campusrush.org to become a global partner or to partner with us in giving